Center, um, Stacy Park, and then sort of moving forward again, more highway infrastructure, more more downtown. Um, and, I, and I just want to stop here and just remind everybody, this history is really focused on the downtown in part because this is where all of the work has been done in a lot of ways in terms of like plan writing and research and history. Um, but one of the big things that we realized coming out of this effort is that it's not just about the downtown and that there needs to be talk about the access up and down the entire um, waterfront. I haven't even I haven't even talked about the Route 29 bridge and the tu or excuse me the tunnel that went there. Um, there's a lot of information about that, and what I'm presenting to you is in some ways the, what I've had time to be able to collect and put together. And so I, I think that's really critical is that we're not just talking about the downtown. Um, so this is this is sort of now I'm going to pause. That kind of brings us to the late, late 20th century, early 21st century. Um, and what starts to happen is in 1989, um, the Capital City Renaissance Plan is adopted and, and CCRC, the Capital City Redevelopment Corporation, is created. And the CCRC is, is an entity which is the intent is to guide the, the use of lands within the district as a manner which promotes the economic vitality of the districts and enhances the quality of the public environment. I, I'm sure a lawyer wrote that, right? I mean, it's just, it's sort of convoluted. But the idea with CCRC was is they were supposed to be there to promote the downtown, promote the, this area in a redevelopment area, and also to coordinate a lot of the different players that, that, were, that, were, gonna be, that were gonna be important to get on board. Um, and what they did as part of that is they, uh, they adopted this capital city renaissance plan. Um, interestingly, for the real planning nerds out there, um, uh, the plan was actually written by Duwani Plater Zyberg. Um, and Duwani Plater Zyberg is um, a, a, a firm which has become very famous in the planning world to start to be, to be sort of a, a leader in the discussion of um, walkable downtowns, um, mixed-use development and the importance of mixed-use development, the, the importance of place and the importance of um, creating places that people can live in and work in and play in. Um, so it, they're sort of a leader in what's called this new urbanist movement. And you can see a lot of that in this plan. So you can see that the downtown is seen as more connected to the city. Um, development is seen less as like parking lots and, and you know big surface parking lots and more um, what would be sort of traditional neighborhood design, which is much of what Trenton, the rest of Trenton is. Um, so the, one of the things that they, they promote is they start talking about this idea of the downtown as a district. And they, what they start to talk about is uh, uh, sort of crossings of Route 29 and the importance of making these connections. So in 2005, there's this boulevard study um, which starts to look at Route 29 and ways of um, getting across it essentially and using the Route 29 as an opportunity or, or, or transformations to Route 29 as an opportunity to spur redevelopment in, in downtown Trenton. Um, so it's technical, there was a lot of stakeholder meetings. I'm sure a lot of you, this is why it's weird for me to stand up here and talk about it, because a lot of you were probably there, right? We're not talking about, you know, 1850. We're talking about recent history here. 
Um, we, yeah. Well, see, what happened by 2005, the Trenton Thunder baseball team, that's a double A affiliate of the Yankees, established itself obviously as a major part of the community. Yeah. Then you have a restaurant that used to be Campion Do now, it's yeah. Row or whatever. But the point is, that combination started bringing half a million people into Trenton into that area every year. And there was a lot of talk, why can't we, you know, why can't, and I'm sure you've heard it too, why can't we start with where the stadium is mm -hmm. in, in that area, which is the, in the tunnel in which they fell apart, which has been redeveloped really beautifully. And it's an economic engine for the city. And go from that area and just move up, you know what I mean? And that's been, that's been the talk for a bunch of years. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, I want to pause really quickly. I just think, Jeff, Make sure to order some lunch. Okay. <laughs> I just realized that. Maybe yeah. I'm getting hungry. I know it was promised, and that's the biggest way to get the crowd to turn on you. It's promised food. I think we're the donuts, though. We'll get some lunch here. So, yeah, that's great. So it was sort of the, the baseball stadium was great. No, the baseball stadium, the, the Thunder is responsible for bringing uh, approximately 15 million to 20 million dollars into the spin. The team has been profitable um, for years. I mean, back in 1994, I had a fellow columnist that said minor league baseball would never work in Trenton. I stole the column in my house. It's, it's, the, four, it's the sixth most valuable team in minor league baseball. Some people tell you after 25 years, which is 25 seasons, it's still a great place to go. So, I mean, uh, if, uh, you know, the thing, the talk was, uh, let, you know, look what's been done with the stadium. Right. Let's we're done with the state. Let's just move on. You know, the, the boat dock and everything like that. Let's just move up and see what we can do with the rest. Like you're talking, you mentioned now, and I read your report yesterday. Is let's see if we can just move up the, the Delaware Heritage Trail and let's see what we can do the rest of the waterfront. And I really like the bullet point thing. Right. Whatever we be done, we connect the downtown and everything with the city again. Right. I mean, any other thoughts or experiences with that time period and, and the sort of emergence of yeah. this? Yeah. yeah, it was the Golden Triangle, the stadium, the arena, and the hotel. That area was supposed to be the area. Was that under the broken census too, through Allen Malik? No. No, it was no. Not, not everybody. This was a DOT-funded study. Yeah. Yeah. Spur, with, spurred by the Office of Swatworth, at the time was under Capitalizing on the efforts of the ballpark and everything else, um, and then and so we coaxed DOT to put money into that project. <coughs> the problem with developing the area around the arena, uh, which is really a shame. Uh, Trent Social is, is a business that uh, Roland and uh, Tom have done. It's really it's really done well. There's a couple other businesses here. The problem is they wanted to take what was in Memphis, like Wee Willie's Wine Bar and stuff like that. And at the time, the administration pushed that in the city. That's not going to work. What you, you know, like, here's an example, like Tony Lucardo, it's Tony Luke's, you know, he has a whole bunch of stuff. Tony wanted to put, where Griffith Electric is, wanted to put Tony Luke's. They wanted Memphis, okay? And that's why, and unfortunately, every time I go past the arena, every day going to work, and I go to an event there, Nothing's been developed because there was all this mishmash. I mean, what needs to be developed here is something that's trending, not something that's Memphis and brought in here. So Tony Luke's, Tony Luke's, Tony Luke had a restaurant there in the, in the, where the Griffith Electric is right now. It'd be a huge success. 
So any other in history? I thank you very much. Any other sort of history of this time period? I, I don't think we need to get into what should or should not yet. We'll get there. Um, but kind of just in this time period, because it, it is interesting. again, contextualizing that, right? So you don't have flood insurance, right? So all of these buildings are damaged. There's a sort of sense of we need as a government to do something about it. You're also starting to get a, a, a time period in which, again, a major infrastructure investment was seen as a real solution. And I think it's a, the other critical part about this is flooding's not going anywhere in, in case anybody has uh, uh, you know, not been reading the news lately or you know, for the past decade. Um, and you know the relationship between the city and the water is going to be you know really critical and as we look forward 10 15 20 30 years there's going to have to be real discussions about you know how are, how are cities building their environments so that they're not fighting necessarily the water and they're not making the residents and workers and people vulnerable to you know potentially really catastrophic and, and life-ending events. And so that's going to be, I think, a really critical component to, to keep in mind going forward. Yeah, Eric. Just as a frame of reference going back to some of the geological side of things, the trend sits, as we said, at the, at the breakwater, you know, where every, all the water is stacking up. When we get flood events, not only are we getting, especially in the tidal cycles, the trend's got a seven-foot tidal swing. So the Delaware will change seven feet, which is just fairly substantial for this high up on the river. And it's not because you're getting river ocean water coming up, it's because you have stacking of water coming down, and it just can't get out. And that Can you talk about what stacking is? Can okay, so, so basically you fill, you fill the drain, and no, and no water can get up. So now all this water that's coming down to New York 
you know, and all of this water down Delaware, the entire watershed is piling up in at Trent. And not only does that affect the Delaware, but that also affects the acid rain because the acid rain can't drain. It's, it can't get to a low spot. So that's why you have these areas, and Trenton specifically, once the tide drops, you see that flood water start to recede. Mm -hmm. So it's usually short-lived, but it can be catastrophic. When you get that seven foot, and then you get stacking on top of that, and when the last floods we had back in 11, 12, mm -hmm. New York was actually planning for some of that flooding, so they let go of some water out of the reservoir at the same time. Well, that hit Trenton the same time as everything else hit Trenton. Right. So it, it's this whole regional planning, and it happens to do, it have, has to do with the fact that this is the upper reach. It's also where um, you get the two ge geologic contacts. You have the Piedmont, which is uh, a harder rock, and then you get the shore structures. Well, that's sand. So if you're actually a river, if you're a boater, I mean, when you come through here, the bottom changes right here. Um, just an interesting aside, I did a lot of work over in Falls Township. William Penn marketed this as the falls in England. So all these people from Europe start coming and they expect to see Niagara Falls, you know, because that's what they bought. <laughs> and, sold them. and all of a sudden they get here and they see a bunch of rocks. Already here, too late. Um, yeah, and I, I want to emphasize too that again, I, I keep wanting to emphasize that this is not just about the downtown. Like this stacks all the way up to the island. This stacks up. I mean, these events are so, again, these events are so important that all the way up the Delaware at the Delaware Water Gap, they built a whole, you know, state park up there. And if you've been up there, it's beautiful, but it's a whole state park in order to mitigate some of the impacts of the flooding of this. So this is not just a Trenton issue. This is an issue that goes all the way up and down the, the, the river. Um, and so it's, it's really critical to understand that. And I'm sure people who, um, you know, live on the island and understand that. I mean, I have a, I have a very uh, intimate understanding of how, how impactful this can be. So, um, kind of getting back to the, this, the, the planning work that was done. Um, another thing that, got, that sort of came about at this time was the New Jersey Capitol um, Park. So there was a plan um, just to kind of orient you. Uh, this is the State House complex. Um, and this is this is Route 29 through here, um, and there was a discussion of a need to sort of create a, a major state park um, behind, sort of on the other side of the Assapine Creek. Um, and in 2009, the New Jersey Department of Transportation took up this study, sort of as a result of all of the work that had happened before then, and started to look at the Route 29 and how you could create. Um, essentially crossings to Route 29, improve access. At the same time, looking at um, improving the development opportunities that might exist in, in the area. Um, and this study actually went up, I think, past the Calhoun Street Bridge to the north, so they had some recommendations further up. It was not just in the downtown. But the big thing that they looked at, um, and what I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with, are these two scenarios. One of them was to keep Route 29 in its current alignment, and to create sections or, or create streets that connect across Route 29. And the other one was to realign Route 29 
and to create street crossings along that and to really turn Route 29 from a limited access freeway, which is really what it is, into an urban boulevard. Um, and this was a, a, a tremendous undertaking. So um, the DOT spent a couple of million dollars on this. There was a public outreach, which I'm sure a, a number of you went to and were part of. Um, there was engineering done on this. Um, there was a financial analysis done on this. There was a lot of things happening. Um, but there's also sometimes you just you, you do your best and the cards don't fall the way that you want. Um, 2009 was an important year in this country, right? Financial system collapse, right? Mm -hmm. Market collapse, everything stopped. Um, the, the, whole, the whole project essentially sort of had, had a, lot of, a, a lot of movement at that time. Um, and I, two things happened, we got a new governor in the state um, and the, the, the market really, really bottomed out. Um, at least that's sort of the narrative that has kind of been put out there. I, I assume a, a lot of you have heard it. Um, so, but before I get into that, I, I wanna talk about this. So they looked at the two alternatives. Um, there was a memorandum of understanding that was signed by the state agencies and the county um, and the city to sort of create a joint task force to start to try to move this project forward. Um, there was this joint coordinating committee. Um, they went after a TIGER application to help pay for this. Um, so it's a federal funding uh, for infrastructure. Um, and the program was really, really ambitious. So we're talking about 280,000 square feet of retail space, 2.8 million square feet of office space, um, almost 3,000 3, residential um, units, and uh, 12,000 parking spaces. Um, so you know this is a new little Trenton inside of Trenton, right? This is a massive, this is a massive development um, program. And as you can see, um, some of the render, sort of some of the perspectives that, that, that were put out by DOT at that time, um, you know, this is a 15-story building right here, and, and the scale of this is really ambitious. And one of the reasons the scale was really ambitious at this is um, DOT did not have a development partner as part of this, so there was no um, there was no development team that said, hey, if you build this, we'll we'll build something to match it. And so what DOT said was, listen, this is gonna be expensive. We're not going to pay for it. The state's not going to pay for it. So what we need to do is basically make the development so um, attractive to a developer, so attractive to a developer that they would undertake the infrastructure improvements in order to build, have an opportunity to build something like this. Okay, so I, I kind of like to think about this as a time when like everybody was just like high on the money of 2008 and people were like, yeah, this is great. We're gonna, we, got a, we got a lot of cash, like the banks are lending money. We, we can do a hundred and you know, $20 million project in the city of Trenton and yeah, the development community will pay for it. Um, it's a, being a little facetious because there, there were market analysis done, but the market analysis that were, were sort of undertaken really said, only, this is really possible only in the most ideal circumstances. And if you're looking at 2008 and you're looking at the time period and when this is development, 
I think there really was a feeling in this country and a really a feeling in the developing community that there could be potential for that in the foreseeable future, just because of the, the upward trajectory. And when the market crashed, I think it brought a little bit more realism to everybody's picture and, and people started to look at those numbers and say, you know, the square foot, the price per square foot for an office building is not coming to Trenton to make this make sense. The, the, the residential demand is not going to be there to make sense. Did you have a question? No. Okay. Um, so what we did as part of our analysis is we actually dug into those numbers a little bit and I just wanted to put this out. So. Um, According to DOT at the time, and this is 2009, um, the realignment and just the infrastructure to do this was going to cost $136 million. Okay. So to put that in perspective, what we're talking about is $136 million and, and not for, oh, I saw you. I think we'll be able to make this presentation available yes. for people oh, if they want to download it. So. Um, what we're talking about for 136 million dollars is none of the none of the buildings, none of the park infrastructure, none of that. We're just talking about road infrastructure. So this is what DOT put as their cost to do this, right? So again, when I say you were kind of high on the money of 2008, like it's very easy, I think, to sit back in 2018 after kind of now, hopefully sort of on the other side of the, the Great Recession and looking at this and being like, oh, they were crazy. But I think if we put ourselves in their shoes at that time period, I think this made a little bit more sense. Um, so this was one of the first things that we really tried to sort of dig into. And, and when we started this restarting project, we were working on the assumption that this was possible. But what we wanted to do is bring in some economic analysis um, bring, start talking to DOT, start talking to other entities, and, and try really find out, is this plausible? Um, so we did a bunch of document research, we did a ton of stakeholder interviews, um, we did a review of their, their cost-benefit analysis that was originally done in 2008. Um, we, we dug into the plan and we looked at the technical specs of the plan and the engineering that's behind it. Um, we undertook a flood review and looked at what flood regulations might have changed in the past 10 years. Um, and what we started to do is develop a steering committee of people from the city and the county and different organizations, including Greater Trenton, um, to just kind of help understand this process and get some information. And the ultimate idea was to, to come up with a, a strategic plan. Um, so what we did, and these are kind of some of the big takeaways, and I want to take a little minute on this from our, our analysis. Um, the first thing that I, really, I, I want to be really clear on is the realignment as it was sort of conceived by DOT right now is, is really unlikely to happen. Um, there, there are a couple of issues that, that are going on that, that are going to impact this. One is um, the development community is not looking at Trenton and chomping at the bit to come into Trenton, right? So. A lot of the, the development that is going to happen in Trenton over the next 10 years, and it is sort of is happening now, um, is really driven even by um, you know some some risk takers, people who are really trying to get in and see the opportunity of Trenton. But you know it's not a, it's not a sure bet at this time. Um, so the idea of going to that community and to going to developers and saying, well, why don't you sink 130 million dollars into Trenton? 
you get a lot of, you know, thank you for showing up kind of responses, right? Um, at the same time, you know, we've all we've all heard what's happening with DOT, and we're all we're all very I think aware of the the situation of America's infrastructure. DOT right now is on a you know fix, repair, maintain stance across the state, um, and so going to them and saying, hey. We've got a, we want $130 million allocated to this project to realign something. Um, in a lot of ways, their response is, it, it's, it's, not, it's not broken. Um, and one of the things that I, we did a lot of case study stuff that I'm not gonna talk about today, which was specifically on, on, on boulevardization of highways, so taking highways that has happened across the country. And in almost every instance that that happens, um, there is a significant problem with the highway that sparks a change in the, the design of it. So the highway needs to be replaced, and when they say, oh, it needs to be replaced, then a conversation says, okay, well, if we're gonna replace it, let's have a real discussion about the, the quality of this highway, what's, what it's gonna look like, the relationship it's gonna have with this city. Um, it's very different with, with Route 29, you know, from a, um, transportation oriented I want to move cars through this space as quickly and as safely as possible route 29 is working for me. Um, so the other thing that really came out of this is we started having conversations because we really did begin this process a little bit with the route 29 project and, and said everybody kept saying well there's a downtown and the downtown's important but it's hard to get across Route 29 on the entire stretch of, of the city of Trenton, right? There, there. You go up north, you go, you know, south. It's just the waterfront needs better access across the board. And yes, the downtown's important, but it needs to be a sort of city-wide and a sort of a riverfront-wide uh, uh, investigation. Um, the other thing is, is that, and I'll get to this point in a little bit more detail is. Um, there's a lot of competing ideas about what, what the city should focus on and what the, the region should focus on and what the state should focus on. Um, it, it seems strange and it was a little bit of a shock to me. You had decades of planning for the, the riverfront and decades of ideas about what it's gone. And you'd think after all of that time, everybody would be like, we know what we want, we just can't make it happen. And unfortunately, that is not the case. And I will get into a little bit in, this, in the case studies. This is not unique to Trenton. Like the biggest thing that I want to kind of get across for anybody who's going to leave uh, before the afternoon is these issues are not unique to Trenton. This is not a problem that nobody else has faced and you guys are all alone out there in this world and you're just going to have to feel your way through things. There's going to be a lot of feeling your way through things. But there are a lot of models out there, and there are a lot of cities that started looking at their waterfront, and everybody had different ideas. The state was in a different place in the county than it was a different place in the city. Not everybody agreed with each other. There was a feeling like, God, those those insert white people, right? Like they just won't do what I want them to do. If they would just do this, then we could, right? We get that. that there's that feeling sometimes. That that happens, and that's that's an obstacle that can be overcome. Okay. Um, and you know, the, the other thing that we found out here is, is that there's really right now an ineffective regulatory framework 
for controlling the waterfront. So um, CCRC has their Renaissance plan, but the Renaissance plan is really focused on downtown and it is um, advisory. Uh, the city has redevelopment plans that control private development down there, but they are the development plans from 1970. Um, the Renaissance plan was written in 1989, so we've had 20, yeah, 20, 30. Well, a lot of years. Just go with 30. Uh, <laughs> don't ask me to do math on this one, all right? Uh, uh, you know, decades of progress in how we regulate and how we talk about cities and Duane Plater's Cyborg is was great, but this is you know this is two decades old of, of work, um, and and that's true up and down the waterfront. So there's no regulations on the island. There's no there's no suggestions up and down. You know how to improve other areas, other than just in, in the downtown, and that's a real issue. Um, and then the last thing is is when we came to this, I, I started talking to people, and I, I just sort of asked the question like, who's Who's keeping track of this stuff, right? <laughs> Who's paying attention? Who's holding all of this stuff? And it, it, the answer is nobody. Exactly. At least right now, right? There is, um, it, I, when I say it was an archaeological um, endeavor, it, it's been really interesting because I talk to people and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we wrote a plan a couple of years ago. Do you have that? I'm like, no. You know, and I talk to somebody else and they're like, oh, did you? Did you talk to this person? I'm like, nobody, no, I don't know. Who is that person? And you know, there's just all this information is kind of just floating out around in the ether. And one of the things that we've been trying to do is kind of bring that together and try to identify a sort of a, a path forward.